Hey everybody, Economic Ninja here. I hope you're doing great. I have got a question that I wanted to ask an expert about, and that was piercing the corporate veil. I say that because I have a handful of entities, everything from LLCs, S-Corps to C-Corps, and I've had the gentleman right next to me, Garrett Sutton, set almost every single one of those entities up. So when I have a problem like I did the other day, I go running to him. And I want to introduce not only him, but his son, Ted. So we have Ted and Garrett Sutton on today. Uh, Garrett is the owner of Corporate direct and Ted works closely with him. And uh, we just want to dive right in. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us, Travis. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Travis. Awesome. All right. So let's dive into my problem. The other day, we had a very simple accounting or bookkeeping error. We were making our uh, quarterly tax payments to the IRS. And those are our personal taxes. We're paying ahead of time because we're foreseeing paying and owing the IRS. So we have to pay these quarterly uh, uh tax payments. My wife accidentally paid one of the quarterly payments out of our corporate account instead of our personal account. And I called you, Garrett, freaking out. And I said, have we pierced the veil? Can you answer that question for everybody? Because I think this is a really good thing to talk about. Well, you're asking the right question, Travis. You want to have your personal uh, obligations paid through your personal bank account, your business obligations paid through a separate business bank account. And so you want to keep those two separate. But the question you asked, Travis, was we made a mistake. It was a one-time thing. Yep. And that's not enough to pierce the corporate veil. So you want to make sure it doesn't happen again. But uh, the, the courts would not pierce the veil for just one little mistake like that. I love that. Now, for the people that don't own an LLC, a corporation um, in any form or a LLP, can you explain, because you wrote a book on it, correct? I think you've got it with you, if you could show everyone. Sure. Veil not fail. Now, can you explain why? what is a corporate veil and why is it important? Well, the reason we set up a corporation or an LLC is to limit our liability. If we do business through our individual name and get sued, someone can get a judgment and reach all of our personal assets. By setting up the corporation or an LLC, you're encapsulating that unlimited liability into a limited liability entity. We like that. Uh, we don't want people suing us and getting everything we own. They can get what's inside the LLC. They can't get beyond it. Now, if you don't follow the corporate formalities, if you don't pay your fees to the state, if you don't hold the annual meetings and all, they can pierce through the veil because you haven't followed the corporate formalities. So the book, Veil Not Fail, uh, gives examples of where they have pierced the veil and then discussions on how to avoid someone coming after you and trying to pierce the veil, how to keep your veil strong. Yeah. And so this is an important thing. It's often overlooked, Travis. In 50% of all cases where someone tries to pierce the veil, they're successful which means not enough people are following these easy rules to stay protected. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Now I've read a couple of your books and I tell people about your services all the time. And guys, I have a coupon link below. I'll put in the comment section and in the description of this video for a hundred dollars off and a free 15 minute consultation. And I, I do highly suggest you use this. And the reason why is I have used Garrett's service many times in the past, not only to form a new entity at a very discounted price compared to going to an attorney in your town and talking to them. But what I like about this is um, I've also had him, his uh, amazing staff of paralegals work on companies that I have already formed in another state that they had nothing to do with. And they, again, at a much 
greatly reduced price than paying an attorney um, a high dollar per hour fee. They do great work for a much less price. So I, I love that. I can't say enough about it. But what I really like is being able to read a book by an attorney that owns a company in corporate uh, uh, setup to be able to get inside of his head. You've already achieved so much more when you move into that uh, free 15 minute consultation because you already know the right questions to ask. You already know where their head is at. OK, so I want to throw that out there right now. Uh, now, Ted, Ted actually wrote a part of this book, an appendix, I believe, and it was on transferring assets prior to a judgment or a divorce. Can we talk about that? Because I think a lot of people are very, they think that when something bad's coming to them, there's a judgment or they're about to get a divorce, they start liquidating assets and selling it off to friends and families or giving it to them. And that's a big no-no, right? Uh, yeah, you you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Um, so yeah, my piece is Appendix A and it's called The Law of Fraudulent Transfers. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I recently graduated law school and um, took the bar exam a few months ago. So, and he passed. So I passed. A, thank God. He's a Wyoming attorney. <laughs> no, I like. I actually like Wyoming. I have a couple of entities there that you set up for me, Garrett. So well, I he like went to the University of Wyoming, which is the Harvard of the Inner Mountain West. It's a great law school. Nice. And uh, passed the Wyoming bar, and so he's uh, doing a lot of work for us. But tell us the history of the article. Yeah, of course. So. Um, in order to graduate law school, you need to write a 5,000 word paper. And, you know, a few years ago, dad had mentioned me writing something about the law of fraudulent transfers. And so a light bulb kind of went off in my head. I said, okay, well, I can be featured in his book and then also satisfy my law school writing requirements. So it was a way to kill two birds with one stone. And, you know, it was, a little bit of a challenge for me just because it was an area I was unfamiliar with. Yeah. Um, so pretty much what fraudulent transfers are, just to break it down in layman's terms, is usually something bad happens to someone, you know, whether it be a lawsuit or a divorce or anything bad. And then they freak out and they make a knee-jerk reaction and they do it to hide their assets. So, you know, they transfer title to their kids, they transfer title to a property into a corporation or a trust. And then after that, they say, oh, look, I have empty pockets. I can't satisfy any judgment. Um, and usually courts are pretty good BS detectors and they say, okay, well, you held this property in your own name up until a month ago. Um, and so what the law of fraudulent transfers do is they could void that transfer and, um, you know, collect, they can use the assets that you transferred to collect on a judgment. Yep. So it's just, it was a way to break it down, um, just to show different examples of how courts can void different transactions. So what you want to do is you want to transfer assets into LLCs ahead of time, before you get into a contract, before you have any problems, you want to make those transfers right at the start when no one can say you did it for the purpose of hiding assets. You just did it for asset protection, for general limited liability purposes. Exactly. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, going back with what uh, Garrett was talking about a little earlier, if you uh, 
maintain your entity the proper way with the proper legal filings uh, with the state and so on. And you have a judgment come against you, but it was not the corporation's fault. It was not the LLC's fault. And you have an asset inside of it. Um, barring a divorce, right? Let's say a judgment comes from an outside uh, person or entity. Uh, if, if, the, if the asset being held was held properly, they can't actually come and get that, correct? Well, if we use a Wyoming LLC or another really good, strong state, uh, like Nevada or Delaware, on the outside attack where you've been in a car wreck and someone wants to collect against your assets, they have to wait for distributions to be made. They can't, in like California, Utah, New York, they can get the court to foreclose on the asset, to, to have the assets sold to satisfy the judgment. In Wyoming, all they get is what's called the charging order, which is a lien on distributions, meaning the attorney who's on a contingency fee, who gets a percentage of what they collect, has to wait around and monitor whether there's a collection or not. And attorneys are smart guys. They don't want to sit around and wait and monitor if a distribution is made. They'd rather go on to the next case that has insurance money. So that's why we will have a number of state uh, LLCs owned by one Wyoming LLC, which gives you the protection against that outside attack. And when you've structured things that way, you don't need to you know, do fraudulent conveyances. You, right. you, you've already got the protection and you set it up before there was ever a problem. Yeah, I agree. And just so that everyone understands what distributions are, that is any kind of money that flows outside of an entity and or personal property. Um, so if you slowed that down, a lot of people go, yeah, but I got to pay tax on that. Well, if it's a, it's an LLC or an S Corp, you're gonna have to pay tax on that anyway, because it's a flow through entity. So just slowing that down and playing that game is excellent. And actually what Garrett's talking about is essentially something you coined the term bulletproofing. Uh, and bulletproofing is, is that exact thing. But by taking your shares is another service that you provide. I believe you're still doing that, right? Where you can actually take the shares and put them uh, in a, a secure location in Wyoming to where someone would have to actually petition a court in Wyoming, correct? They have to go to Wyoming. That's where the certificate, the representation of ownership is. It's really a pain. Most attorneys on a contingency fee don't want to go through that procedure. So well, we offer that service. Not only the, the 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 time and going into that procedure, can you imagine who would have to pay an attorney's fee to jump on an airplane and go and petition a court in another state? I don't think there's a lot of people with that much money out there. Well, and the attorneys, you know, I always recommend, Travis, that people have an umbrella policy of insurance. If you yep. get in that horrific car wreck, there's enough insurance money for the attorney to go after, and then they don't have to pursue the Wyoming LLCs, which are not a good use of the attorney's time to pursue that. So there are a number of things that we recommend. And again, you've mentioned the free 15-minute consult. That's what we do when we get on the phone with you. We talk to you about all these issues. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, okay. okay, so I have one more question I want to ask, and I'm going to lean on Ted for this one. Um, when we talk about the corporate veil and piercing the corporate veil, it really does come down to making sure that you have all of your ducks in a row, you have all of your documents signed, your T's crossed, your I's dotted. Uh, now, I've used your service before. Can you talk about that? Because it really, what does it come down to? Like, how easy is it or difficult is it to make sure everything's done properly? Yeah, so it's, Usually, it's really easy to follow the formalities and just be good from the get-go. But unfortunately, the statistics show that 50% um, of courts end up piercing the veil during a veil-piercing case. 
So it's better to just do everything from the get-go, you know, have an operating agreement, pay the annual filing fees, um, maintain separate bank accounts, like you mentioned earlier in the video. Uh, you know, there's a laundry list of things that you can do that are very easy to do uh, in order to prevent the veil piercing from ever happening. So it's best to just do everything right from the get-go and be good in the event that something bad happens. Perfect. And Garrett, your company still provides that service, right? Because I pay every year to have, you guys just take care of everything, it seems like. That's right, Travis. We help you maintain that corporation. We don't want your veil pierced. Yeah. So we're going to help you with these easy formalities to make sure that that doesn't happen to you. Nice. And just so you guys know how that works, it's really simple. They send me a questionnaire once a year and it's uh, four to six pages long. And they just ask me tons of questions. What did I do this year with the corporation? What uh, properties did I buy? Things like that. Really simple. I send it back to them and then they build my um, my corporate meeting minutes and all of that stuff. And they file all the documents. Is that pretty much the way to explain it? That's a great way to explain it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Travis. All right, guys. Well, that being said, the Economic Ninja is out.